welcome everybody yet to another live interview with Become a Fails Father. And today I have the pleasure to be accompanied by Robert Heath. What's going on, my man? Nothing much, brother. Glad to be here. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing great. I'm doing absolutely great. Side note that my son has a little mini fracture in his left foot. He's at home. Take care of him. So it's really sad because he's only three. He wants oh, to wow. run around, do stuff, and he can't. So, yeah, it's interesting. But that's all right. Robert, before we go into getting to know you a bit better, I got a quick question first because I noticed a lot on your uh, Facebook profile that you're talking a lot about mastering time, uh, mm -hmm. time management, and that kind of stuff. And that's actually what I've been really focused on lately as well. And it's given me a lot of good things, right? So um, let's start off with that, man. What's, what's your tips, tricks, secrets when it comes down to managing your time? Because we all know, man, as entrepreneurial dads, we got so many hats on, got to master that time. Yeah, well, the biggest thing that I talk to um, a lot of my clients and groups about is there's, there's a difference between time management and time mastery. And so many people work on managing time. And the, the biggest distinction that you have to think about when you're managing time is that everything that you've been conditioned to do all through school, all through working has been preparing you to be an employee. Mm -hmm. It's been preparing you to focus on what makes other people happy, right? When you're managing time, you don't set your priorities, right? And other people are in charge, right? When you go to school, your teachers tell you what an A is. They tell you what you need to do and how you need to do it. If you don't do those things, then you don't get the A, right? When you go to work, same thing. Your bosses tell you what a good job is, what a good day's work is, and all the rest of those types of things. And so there's a muscle that we get to kind of entrepreneurship with that, have, that has really been, uh, it's atrophied. And that's the muscle of determining what's important to us. Right. Most of us are not really good at determining what's important to us and figuring out what does winning look like. And mm -hmm. so there's five steps that I take people through that help you to master your time, help you to own your time instead of just managing other people's priorities. Mm -hmm. And so um, those steps are you got to first of all, you got to define success. Mm -hmm. Number two, you've got to set and align your priorities. Number three, and this is the most important of these first three, you've got to then schedule those priorities. It's great to know in your head what you want to do, but until that actually gets put into action and you have a determinate, a determined system and a repeatable system for making that happen, then it's problematic. So then number four, you've got to figure out how to deal with interruptions because as soon as you set your plan, there are going to be other people's priorities that pop up that where they want you to do different things. And so it's going to be really important that you learn how to um, how to set those priorities and how to deal with that. And then lastly, sustaining the transformation, making this a habit, not just making it, I learned this tip, I learned this trick, I know this thing. So those are the five kind of things that people have to learn how to master, skills that they have to learn how to master. Exactly, love it. That's, that's this, Robert, is exactly how I like to start my live interviews. Just, you know, get that really biggest golden nugget that you got and just, Throw it right at me. I appreciate that. Well, Thank you so much. So well, now good, that, good. I'm glad that I'm able to help. That's as I said, man, I'm really um working myself on it. It's one of the things that I share um with, with everybody at the moment with the entrepreneur mm -hmm. because I've noticed that that's what every single entrepreneur that especially when they're starting out, and I'm not meaning mm -hmm. starting out as a dad, but I'm meaning starting out as an entrepreneur, right? And then mm -hmm. 
either they turn into a dad or they are already a dad and then decide to become an entrepreneur. That's where they struggle most. And I keep hearing it over. What's your biggest challenge? Time management. Man, I need more hours in a day. So that exactly. yeah, is like, bomb. that will definitely, you know, make people go level up, which is what it's all about. So Robert, share mm -hmm. with us, man. Um, who are you? What's your background story? Um, family set up. Uh, if I saw a mm -hmm. boy and a girl, right? So share a little bit about them. Yeah. Of course, about your beautiful wife. Perfect. Perfect. Well, one of the big things that, that, that I talk about with my background is I know this story and I know this struggle because I lived it, right? Like what I tell everybody about, we're conditioned to, be to behave this certain way. And this is exactly how I was, right? I grew up, I went to school, got a bachelor's degree in economics, got a bachelor's degree in speech communication, wanted to give back to my community because I grew up going to church, understanding that being part of the community was important, learning that wasn't good. Hold on, we're back. Yep. All right. Well, we still hear you. We can't see you anymore. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, yeah, it popped out. I don't know what happened. The tripod had a mind of its own. All right, so uh, <laughs> I started learning, you know, giving back to community, looking at other people's priorities, right? I learned how to manage time very well. I went and got my master's degree. I taught school for six years. I was on the track. I was going to be a superintendent. That was my goal, right? And ultimately, what I started to see in that profession was lots of people leaving the profession, people like my wife, who had, from the time she was a kid, were teaching their dolls and all they wanted to do growing up was to be a teacher. I wanted to make an impact on education. I went into teaching because I, I had a skill at it, but I knew that I was gonna be in leadership. But I saw 50% of teachers leaving before five years, 80% of teachers leaving before 10 years. And what I saw was that there was, a, there was a great need for leadership development because a lot of those teachers were leaving, leaving, not because of the job, not because they didn't love it anymore, but because their leaders weren't helping them to deal with this time management issue because there's so many things coming at you and people get overwhelmed, people get decision fatigue, people burn out and they yep. say, I'll do something else different. And so I went and I went to law school to really understand the system and figure out where the pressures are coming from and how we make our rules, how we make our systems. And I also went to the greatest leadership academy in the face of the earth, the United States Marine Corps. Mm. And I became a Marine Corps officer. Right. Um, and over the eight years that I was in the Marine Corps, I was able to practice law. I was also able to become a company commander. And in that role, that's where I really kind of that was my capstone, if you would. That's where I really got to see the rubber meet the road with time management, with leadership. And one of the things that happened for me was. I went from being a litigator and so I was in the courtroom and I won about 70% of my cases in the courtroom. I was one of the winningest defense counsels in the history of um, my unit. And that was a real professional job. I was good at managing time, but I, 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 was, I was really spinning plates, right? But I was, mm -hmm. I was a very good juggler. I was a very good plate spinner. And that's where most people, I got put into a leadership position. So I went from leading myself to leading 220 Marines and sailors. And what I realized was there wasn't enough time for me to do everything. But if I was going to get good at delegation, if I was going to get good at getting everybody else to be good at what they needed to do, I had to first become very good. I had to master my time. And that's where these five steps come from. I went from working 10, 12, 14 hour days to figuring out how to get my portion of the work done in four. And then I got to spend the rest of my time developing my team. I got to spend the rest of my time 
you know, I'm a martial arts instructor as well. And one of the things that I did, I'm a Gracie Jiu Jitsu instructor, and I took my Marines and sailors and took them through a sexual assault prevention course where I was able to teach them three hours a day for three company was still running where everything was still going well on that front. But at the same time, I was able to, um, to continue to take care of my Marines and my company never dropped the ball. Exactly, exactly. And I love what Thomas just wrote, in it to win it, which absolutely just describes that perfectly. Appreciate that, Thomas. Um, dude, that's amazing. So that's one of the things, right? When you're talking about developing a team, delegation, right? Leveraging, um, you know, what you don't have to do, building the systems, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? So share a little bit about that. What's, mm -hmm. what's the key, on make, besides what you mentioned, right? Okay, you got to manage your own time first. What's your key of making sure... Because so many, all right, I'm, my mind's going a little beep. <laughs> the biggest thing that people have is like, you know, keeping everything with themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And not wanting to leverage anything because they're afraid of maybe somebody messing up or not doing exactly what you want and, you know, not giving the power to somebody else to completely do it and therefore losing a lot of time anyway, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you make sure then that you become a master in delegation? After you got, you know, you got your own time right. set, how do you make sure it's set up? That's a great question, right? So one of the things that's scariest for people about delegation is if I give it to you and you mess it up, then we fail. And I don't know how I'm going to bounce back from that failure, right? Mm -hmm. and so what's so important is that you realize that leadership is about, and it's one of the big things that we teach at Legacy Leadership, right? Leadership is facilitating the manifestation of greatness in others. The is you have to take inventory, you have to recognize what are the, what are the, what's the potential, what are the capacities and the capabilities of the people that you're trying to delegate to. The goal is not that they're great from the beginning, you get to build them to be great over time and that you can keep them from having what I call catastrophic failures, just like with your son, right? And for all of your listeners, right, we're fathers, you have children. Here's the thing. How do you teach kids to walk? Do you micromanage them and make sure that they take one step in front of the other and everything? No, 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 don't do it that way. You've got to put your left foot first, then your right foot, right? Nobody does that. That'd be crazy. Kids would never learn how to walk. Instead, what we do is we make sure that they can't put a fork in the outlet. We plug in all the plugs. We cover up all the sharp edges on furniture. We make sure there's no sharp things, no knives, no scissors, anything in the play area. And then we encourage them and we give them opportunities to fall down and get back up. Mm -hmm. And over time, their natural talent, their natural learning ability and our encouragement help them to get there. And I just want to give you a, an idea about delegation. This is what so many people don't necessarily understand about delegation. If you have 10 people on your staff, right? And those 10 people are only 10% as good as you are. So they're barely proficient at everything that you do. Mm -hmm. But you've got 10 people. Each of those 10% equals a new you mm -hmm. when you aggregate them together. If you can get those 10 people to be 10% better, so they still suck compared to you, but they're at 20% now. You've just got two U's running around the office now. Mm -hmm. And every 10% that they get better, you get a whole new person. 
That's the exponential power of delegation, right? And here's the key. When you're hiring people, you're hiring people that have a potential to be better at this, whatever it is that you're delegating to them, than you are at it. So, right, I am not a copywriter by trade. That's not what I do. I'm not a graphic designer by trade. Here's the interesting thing. When I outsource graphic design, right, when I went and had the person who did the artwork for my book, I gave them an idea and they put it together and they put it together probably in about an hour. Mm -hmm. It would have taken me 10 hours to do it. Now, did it take us a couple of times of going back and forth? Yes. So did it take maybe another half hour of my time? Yes. But by giving it to somebody who's way better at this than I am, even though it took me a half hour on top of their hour, I still saved eight and a half but from doing it myself. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of delegation. That's where you really get into the power of delegation. It's not in the beginning, right? It's not when you when, when your kids are one, two, and three that you get extra hands around the house. It's when they're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, when they can understand and actually do it better than you. And now you don't have to clean their room anymore. Now you don't have to run stuff from one side of the house to the other. Now you've got three sets of hands helping you take groceries from the car to the to the house. That's mm -hmm. where the exponential growth comes in. But you got to be willing to give them the space to grow and to learn. And so often, because we're not good at managing our time, we don't have the time to give them space to grow and learn. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So cap that and encourage them and give them the opportunity to fail. Right. Mm -hmm. sure. Yep. And yeah, you've sure. got to deal with your your one of the things about that is you've got to deal with and we as as entrepreneurs in general have to deal with our fear of failure before we can make it okay for somebody else to fail exactly exactly all right let me ask you this first and then i'll come back to my original question i want to ask what does failure mm -hmm. need to do? so that's that's a that's a great question because one of the things i talked about was the catas the idea of catastrophic I think that there are lots of many falls that we often see as failure because what we do is we seek perfection as if perfection exists, right? Mm -hmm. But perfection is a myth. It's like a unicorn. It doesn't exist, right? Here's the, here's the classic example of why it doesn't exist. If you do everything perfect today, right? Let's say you have a perfect day and then tomorrow you do the exact same stuff. Even if it was perfect the day before, it won't be perfect now because you haven't grown, you haven't improved, you haven't gotten better. So it's not perfect, even though it was perfect. Mm -hmm. And that's if perfection was possible. But the whole idea is we are trying to grow. We are trying to evolve. We are trying to constantly get better. If tomorrow is better than yesterday, then we are on the right path. So when we define failure, what I define failure as is something from which we cannot come back. Right. So if you have right it, when when I was a Marine Corps officer, when we did training, the thing that we looked at were risks that were catastrophic risks. So if you were doing something where people could die, you had to mitigate that risk. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that is not something yeah. where we can have an after action report where we can talk about it later and you can learn from it. Like that's not cool in a training event for people to die. If that's a, a, a potential risk when you're doing a training event, you've got to do something to change that. Same thing in business. If you've got something where if somebody does this, you could lose the business, 
or if you're in, 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 in a managerial position or if you're in a, in a work situation, you could lose your job or if you could go to jail. Those are the types of things that those are boundaries. We don't step in that area, right? Because that's risk that is we can't overcome that. But so often we get upset about things like, for example, if copy goes out and it's not perfect, right? Or if we lose a couple of customers or if, you know, we lose, we don't get as many likes on Facebook or whatever it is, right? The benefit of having that experience and being able to learn from it is so much greater than the analysis paralysis of trying to make it perfect, right? Mm -hmm. I always tell my clients, right? Done is better than perfect. True. Because so, done, you can improve upon. All while it's in your head, you can't make improvements. Yep. And it only helps you because nobody can read your mind. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, yeah. I love that. So, so that would be my definition of failure, if you would. Stuff yeah. you can't come back from. Exactly. Love that. So everything else is 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 a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So let me, all right, now, yeah, yeah, sorry, now it's sunk in. Now I got you, 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 you <laughs> saying, okay, there's no such thing as failure. It's just, you know, you things that you learn from. If it is a failure, then mm -hmm. it's one of those catastrophical things where you can't come back from. All right, yeah, wouldn't that exactly. a failure? Because that's, that's a distinction that I've never made. So I like that. I definitely like that. So let me ask you this, um, and I'll flip it around in your words. So it's encouraging and giving the opportunity to your kids so they can make mistakes and learn from it. So they can learn from it. Sorry, mm -hmm. I mistakes away. So they can learn from it. Here, mm -hmm. my challenge with my oldest son. If he makes mistakes, well, I, I, I have an example from just now, right? He had to follow mm -hmm. lines going like they put numbers and he had to draw a table. And it was like one to two, two to three, et cetera. And then nine to ten. However, the 13 was in between the 9 and the mm -hmm. 10. So his brain was going, mm -hmm. okay, so I go like this and I go like that instead of going a straight line. And mm -hmm. I explained to him without actually telling him, like, this is what you have to do. You know, remember, what's a straight line? And then finally he figured it out, but he got upset because now he made a mistake, right? And uh -huh. you get those from, well, he, I get those. <laughs> he gets those mini tantrums. I don't call it a tantrum. He's just like, <laughs> he's just stomping around, getting upset. Okay, mm -hmm. And I'm like, but you learn something. That's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, not a question. <laughs> uh, no, no, I got you. Is it now like, is it me? Do I just need to be patient with him? So, at a certain point, he will come to a realization. It's like, okay, I am learning and I make mistakes. Or should I just keep explaining to him, like, look, it's a, it's, it's, this is the way you learn. It's okay to make mistakes. Like, well, how can I? Yeah. It's that pain, right? I see that pain in him for making mm -hmm. a mistake. That hurts me. Yeah. Now I got right. it. Right. And this is what, this is, this is the piece about that, right? And this is what happens with so many leaders. So many leaders try to protect their, their people from mistakes because there is a little bit of pain involved in mistakes. Just like when you try to protect your kids from falling down, right? Mm -hmm. But remember, the purpose of being a leader is to develop resiliency in your people. Your goal is to develop their ability not to walk perfectly, right? And we take it all the way back to when your kids are babies. The goal isn't to get them to walk perfectly. The goal is to get it so that they understand how to get back up and keep walking when they fall. Mm -hmm. 
right? If they know how to get up when they fall, they can always walk. Mm -hmm. If they only know how to walk perfectly, when they fall down, they're done walking. Mm -hmm. Because they don't know how to get back up. So in that instance with your son, he's learned that a mistake is bad. One of the things that you have to be able to teach him as a parent is that mistakes are good. You've got to be able to demonstrate to him. And some of the things that I do with my kids, I tell them how proud I am of them, of how they go through and process the mistake. Did you learn from this? Was this, what did you learn? What did you get? All right, are you ready for the next time? I'm really proud of you for the way you handled this. You didn't just sit down. You didn't just quit. You didn't just take it and you know let it stop you. Good job. We learn from mistakes. Don't let it get you down. You're not going to be perfect. I'm not expecting you to be perfect. That's not what daddy wants. What I want from you, my goal is to prepare you to be an adult. I'm preparing you for the world where you don't have to ask me about your decisions anymore, where you can take the information, process it like I would, or even process it better than I would and make the decision and be able to live with the decision that you've made and be comfortable with that and to take your lumps, et cetera. So, and this is what my father taught me. I, I learned this from my dad and I, I love this, this point. He, he taught me this and it was funny because I was in, I was a senior in high school, right? So I'm getting ready to go to a party and I'm like, hey dad, can I go to this party? He's like, sure, what time are you gonna be back? And I was like, I don't know, uh, how about 10.30, right? And my dad's like, well, you gonna be back at 10.30? What time are you gonna be back? I was like, uh, 11? Right? <laughs> it's still asking, right? Look, son, right? And so he stops me. He's like, son, I have raised you to be a responsible young man. Tell me what time you're going to come back and come back at that time. I trust you and your word is, is valid with me. Tell me what time you'll be back. I can be secure and safe and know that you're going to be back at that time because I'm not raising you to have to come to me and ask me for permission. I'm raising you to make good decisions. You know what time is a good time to come back. You know when you can be safe. Tell me what time you'll come back. And so I was like, okay, I'll be back at one. He was like, all right, I'll see you at one. It was a, it was a mind shattering, like mind blowing moment because I was graduating to that place where my dad was beginning to say, here's the torch, you are an adult now. And it, what it did, though, is it taught me and helped me to realize that's the goal with my children. My, the goal is not for my children to always look to daddy to see what's good. My goal is for my children to understand that I love them, I care about them, but they have to be adults. And so as we go through this, when you're dealing with them, you want to let them fail and you want to show them how to think through the failure, how to get up off the ground, how to not let themselves believe that because they made a mistake, that's who they are, instead of realizing that who they are is an overcomer, who they are is somebody that gets up off the canvas, right? There's that saying that says, it's not the number of times you get knocked down that makes a champion. Mm -hmm. It's how many times you get back up, right? That's the only difference between a champion and a chump. The champion mm -hmm. got up one more time than he got knocked down. Exactly. Yo, that was uh, good stuff. Um, the one thing that I really enjoyed when, when we finished the whole thing, he turned, mm -hmm. gave me a kiss, and then said, thank you, daddy. <laughs> and I was just like, there you go. Ah, we got further than last time. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> Make me feel good. Go. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's like, oh, man.
That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it all worth it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because in the beginning it was a struggle. Like I'm still there. Like okay, we you know you're still looking for improvement. However, in the beginning it was just horrible. Like crying, crying, <laughs> hiding in a corner. It's like, dude, I don't, who taught you that it's you can't make mistakes? I know nobody in this house mm-hmm. told you that. And we keep saying how yeah. proud we are. You know what I mean? It's like, where's mm-hmm. that coming from, right? And then you're like, yep. Oh, if he's learning this in school, do I want to have him there still? <laughs> right. Yeah. So you got to look at school. And then one other thing that you want to look at is how do you handle when you make mistakes? Mm. They are sponges. And many of us are hardest on ourselves and our kids pick it up. True. Right. You can be awesome to your children, but bad to yourself and your children will pick up how you handle yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that made me think. Because the other day I made a huge mistake and actually I'm live on it, but I was like, yes, I made a mistake. Like, yes, I really feel on this one because I learned so much and I knew I was going <laughs> to learn more. And, but now I'm thinking like, okay, but that's not what they see. They see more the small things, right? The I drop mm-hmm. something and there comes a little mumble, right? Sometimes a word that you mm-hmm. should, you know, it happens. And I get that. <laughs> that's what yep. So I got to be more aware of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. That's great, man. That's great. Yep. Yeah, not just the big things, but also the smaller things might might trigger that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so those things at the beginning, man. When they spill, right? How do you handle that? They spill, and at the begin- when that happened a, a long time ago, when they spill something, you get upset, right? I wasn't mm-hmm. still in a good place, right? I was still like stressed yeah. and frustrated. Like, man, really? Why you gotta spill that? And now it's like you know he mm-hmm. spills. He goes, like oh sorry daddy i'm like okay so you spilled something it's okay so now what do we do right and he walks into the kitchen gets his rag and cleans it up i'm like there you go now it's done you know it's all good there you go and that's it and ultimately like remember a lot of times we we we're we're way too hard on ourselves as parents right like my daughter Mm -hmm. is 12 my son is eight i've never had a 12 year old daughter before so i'm gonna make mistakes I've never, when she turns 13, I've never had a 13 year old daughter before, right? When she turns 14, I've never had a 14 year old daughter before. I'm gonna make some mistakes. I'm learning this, I'm getting new. it. So I've gotta give myself leeway to grow. A lot of times we think that as parents and, and as leaders, we, all, we show the, the, our, our children, we show our teens how we handle failure by mm-hmm. how we handle failure, how we handle mistakes. How do we handle doing it? Are you able to open up and to do the introspection and to, to explain how you learn from what you made a mistake on, right? I have, I have talks with my kids all the time about, hey, this is what I thought. I thought this was right. I was wrong. This is why I thought I was right. This is how I messed up. I should have handled it differently, right? I let them see that I'm not perfect. Don't think of daddy as perfect. Don't think of me as not making mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. If Mm -hmm. what I want is for you to be better than me, the way you're going to be better than me is learning how to debrief and think about your mistakes. Think about the decisions that you make and the results that you get. Are the results in line with what you wanted? If they're not, you need to change your decision. Plain and simple, right? Mm -hmm. Remove the emotion from it. Don't allow yourself to beat yourself up about making mistakes. That's the human condition. We learn through pattern recognition, right? That's how Mm -hmm. the human brain works. In order to have pattern recognition, you have to have a pattern, which means you have to have an interrupter. That's what mistakes are. 
Going good, going good, going good, mistake. Going good, going good, going good, mistake. The mistake is the thing that helps you understand what going good actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I like that. I like that. So we haven't talked about your wife, Robert. How long have you been married? All right. So I've been married now 13 years. Um, mm-hmm. My wife and I have been together for 14. Um, we were both, like I said, we were educators. We met teaching in a school. Um, and we were both from different parts of the country in another city, met there and got married. So it was definitely, um, Providence and serendipity that put us together. <laughs> awesome. There are 13 years, man. Congratulations. That's amazing. 13 is actually my lucky Thank number. You, so. <laughs> I can't wait to reach that. <laughs> um, good to go. So sh- share with us, um, because 14 years together, 13 years married, 12-year-old daughter. So you you went, in general, pretty fast, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In general, what you see lately. How, mm-hmm. what's, what's your, yeah, what's the question? What, what's your success <laughs> story? Right, well, uh, the big thing that I will say is that marriage and and leadership is not a is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, mm. Understanding that marriage is more than just love, right? And 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 depending on what, how you define love, like it's more than just romantic love, right? Marriage is understanding that you're not like there are vows that people normally say and they don't think about the other half of it, right? Like we say for better or worse, in sickness and in health, right? And a lot of times people think about the better, but there's like a backstop for the worse. So mm-hmm. for the worse, we're like, nah, it's only okay if it's up to here. And then nah, I'm getting out, I'm leaving. And it's really important that we realize that if you're going to be in a committed relationship, you're going to be learning. You're going to see things in people that you don't necessarily like. You're going to have to deal with things that you don't necessarily like. But at the end of the day, it will work out and you will do um, a lot better if you have the ability to work through it, if you're resilient, if you can bounce back. If you can't bounce back, that's a whole different ball game. That's a whole different scenario. Um, and don't get me wrong, there are people that, uh, my wife's been divorced before, so I can't, I'm not saying that divorce is bad or anything like that. But um, the whole idea is that if you're gonna be in a marriage and you're trying to make it work, there's going to be a lot of changing that you're going to have to do to be more understanding and to be more um, to to understand what's really important to you. And so you're going to learn a lot about yourself in your marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the only way that we've made it through. If I was still stuck on a lot of the stuff that I was stuck on when we first got married, we wouldn't be together. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. That's the one thing, though, because you did mention the one part that I, I always have in my head, mental death to us part, right? I mean, that part is, is it, it's not even mentioned anymore. I'm, I'm wondering if they even mention that <laughs> when you get married. It's like, exactly, yeah, exactly. I get bored or we have too many arguments and I'm out, right? What, what right. is that within, because I, I actually, I have, to, I have to admit, most of my live interviews so far have been with men that have been married for a long, long time, which actually like maybe mm-hmm. I attract that, which is absolutely fantastic. I've been married now for eight years and I'm continuing and we've had rough patches for sure. So mm-hmm. what is it 
that because I think what one in two marriages now is like you know they they mm -hmm. I think that's the number. Yeah, it's always between fifty and sixty percent. That's insane. What is that in people that just makes them give up? So because that's what it is, right? You just give up so fast, right? Um, right. There's not there's not grit, and I mean again, it's one of those things we're conditioned for. We're not being taught in our schools. We're not being taught in our communities, right? There's this whole cancel culture. There's this idea that if I don't like you, I just turn you off. I don't got to listen to you. I don't got to deal with you. Only, right, we, we get into these echo chambers of people that are constantly telling us what we want to hear. And what we don't learn how to do is we don't learn how to lose graciously. We don't learn how to have an opinion and realize, oh, my opinion isn't as smart as the other person's opinion. My opinion isn't as good as the other person's opinion. I need to actually go back and, and listen and figure out what this is about. Like, we don't, we don't learn how to be resilient. And because mm -hmm. of the fact that we don't learn how to be resilient, we struggle a lot in, you know, situations where there's a lot of, um, in situations where there's a lot of, what's the word, uh, where there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of, uh, of not adversarialness, but a lot of times when you don't necessarily see eye to eye because we mm -hmm. never have to confront people like that. We change groups of friends. We change Facebook friends. We change Facebook groups. When somebody says something we don't like, we don't watch that TV station, all the rest of those types of things. And so that's what a lot of people struggle with. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah. Because on Facebook, it's very easy. If I don't agree with somebody or no, not if I don't agree with somebody, I'm fine with that. But if somebody says something that I don't want to hear, I'm mm -hmm. locked in a meeting. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, I I'm one of those types of people, right? When I feel like I'm listening to one TV station too much, if it's MSNBC or CNN or whatever, I'll listen to Fox. And then if I feel like Fox is saying too much stuff this one way i'll go find the other opinion over here my and this goes you know from my legal training right i like to hear both sides of the argument and make my own decisions i like to hear what both people say i'm good enough to understand when people are making moral equivalencies that aren't moral equivalencies right like there's all the time people are trying to make stuff seem like there's both things both sides are doing it no that's not true in certain instances one side's doing one thing one side's doing another right one is closer to the middle, one's way far to the right side. That's not, mm -hmm. there's bad people or there's good people on either side, right? And you, but you've got to be, you've got to listen to the arguments to actually make that decision. You can't listen to what somebody told you about what somebody said. You got to mm -hmm. actually listen to what they said, right? I'm a big fan of listening to actually what the president says or what somebody in Congress says or what somebody, well, whoever the person is, I go back and I listen to the source material. I listen to their speech. I hear what they're saying. And I make a determination because you play telephone, right? The, the, the game telephone before you start, somebody says something, they tell it to somebody, tell it to somebody, tell it to somebody. By the time it gets down about 10 people, it's completely different than what the original person said. Yep. Yeah, I love that game. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, right. And but yeah, it makes, it makes key, all sense. Right. And that's the whole key. And that's the thing in marriage. You have to go through, and a lot of times you've got to check yourself and say, Maybe I'm not hearing what I think I'm hearing. Maybe that look, maybe that 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 rolling of the eyes, maybe not answering my call didn't mean what I think it means. Mm -hmm. Let me go to the person and ask them. Let me go to the person and treat them like they love me and they care about me. And let me figure out, let me say, let me be vulnerable and say to them, here's what I saw and this is how it made me feel. 
what is your story, right? What, is, what do those facts mean to you? There's been many times where I've said, this is what happened, this is what you did. And my wife's been like, I'm so sorry, that's not what I meant at all. This is what was happening. And I was rolling my eyes because I was also on the phone with somebody and I didn't know that, you know, like I had my earbud in and you couldn't see it. Like there's all types of different things that happen. And it's so important that you give, like one of the things that, that marriage has taught me is the definition of unconditional love and realizing that me being in love and me being married is a choice on my part. It's not something that is really about my wife and what she does so much. Mm -hmm. Man, I like that. I gotta switch that up. He, him, if I written it down correctly, uh, mm -hmm. he said, "Here's what I saw. This is what it mean. This is what it means to me." And then saying, "Like, okay, but what did you really mean, right?" And I like mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. our ego plays so many tricks on us, right? Like, ego. Yes. Um, the one thing that my wife does a lot is, okay, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> it's something wrong. <laughs> what? Yep. You know, I get nervous. I'm like, <laughs> well, I mean, we, we're still discussing who's going to do what. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if, you know. Yep. So, yeah, man, that's good. I like that. All right, so let me ask you this then. If, if, if this happens, but I'm sure it does, right? You got an eight-year-old, 12-year-old, a uh, boy and a girl. I'm sure they argue and fight or come to daddy and yeah, this one did this and this one did that, right? It happens in our household. Definitely. Three and six, both boys, so they fight. Not often, mm -hmm. but they fight. I'm not going to deny it, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not always good at handling it. Right. So what's 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 in your opinion or what's your approach? Not that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a couple of things, right? One of the things that I do is remember what my role is as a parent. Is my role the referee or is my role the teacher, mm -hmm. right? As the referee, I'm just trying to make sure everybody's being fair. And sometimes, don't you know, like some days I'm just a referee because I'm tired and I don't feel like dealing with it, right? So I just am a referee and sometimes I'm like, hey, you go to your room, you go to your room, y'all need a timeout. But then on my better days, I realize that my job in this instance, in every instance with my children, is to teach them how to problem solve, is to teach them how to think about the situations that they're going through. Mm -hmm. Because if I can teach them how to think, then that's not a lost opportunity. That's not a lost experience. They're learning all while they're with me. And one of the things that I tell leaders all the time is you've got to realize, right, the reason my, my company is called Legacy Leadership Consultant is because you've got to always realize that as a leader, you're not going to be the leader forever. There's some way you're either going to get promoted, you're going to retire, or you're going to expire, right? One way or another, you're leaving that leadership role. And if you're not preparing your people to go on and, and be able to not only lead themselves, but lead others in your absence, then you're actually doing them a disservice. And so what is really important for us as parents to think about is what's the lesson that I want them to learn from this experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And so not getting caught up so much in the argument as understanding that what they, um, as understanding what that argument can teach them. Mm-hmm, exactly. Love it. Right, there's this old movie, it, it, it came out in the 90s, it's called The Five Heartbeats, right? 
um, and it's a Robert Townsend movie, uh, who is a, uh, a famous uh, African-American director, comedian, actor in the United States. And one of the things that he did was um, there's this group and, and there's some brother in the group, there's a bunch of people in the group and they're having this fight, right? And they're fighting about, you know, just stupid stuff, but they're fighting on stage. Now they're a singing group. And so in the, the experience, they're singing, they're, do, they're doing what they've got to deal with. And one of the things that he talks about in the, uh, the, the, the manager of the group is standing off stage and he's standing with one of his friends who's the choreographer of the group. They're both older army vets, World War II vets, right? And this is happening in the 60s. So in the, in the scene, the guy gets ready to go out there and get him, the, the, the choreographer. He's like, they, they acting a fool. I got to go grab him. He's like, no, no, no. Hold on a second. It's all right. They just, we just got to learn. We got to teach them to learn how to use everything they do in their act, right? And the, the whole thing that he knew was it doesn't matter what's going on. If he can teach them to channel that into their act, they can make their fans part and it'll grow their fan base. And so one of the interesting things that he was able to do was the next show that they went to, they had a similar fight but they used the fight as a way to do a wardrobe change, right? They, it was a fake fight this time, but now because they had a fight on stage, the story changes because it's not that they had a fight on stage, it's that they have, um, it's not that they're having a fight on stage, it's that they're having a wardrobe change and it was, it was co contrived. And so now the narrative got changed and they spun it and now their fans are like, oh my God, you gotta see this new thing that they're doing in their show. Right. Mm -hmm. The whole idea is the people who look like they've got it together, the people who look like they are the time masters. Right. We, we started off talking about the difference between time management and time mastery, time ownership. The people who got it together, it's not perfect. It's not they don't make mistakes. It's just they handle mistakes way better than everybody else. Right. Do you play golf at all? Nope. <laughs> OK, so if you've ever seen, have you seen golf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Tiger Woods and everything, right? Like uh -huh. so, so in, in the professional golfers, everybody, the way that it looks, the way that we think is that they hit these amazing shots and they're always hitting amazing shots. And they're just so great because their best shots are so amazing, right? But the reality is professional golfers don't hit great shots the majority of the time. Professional golfers are just really good at dealing with the bad shots that they shoot. They're mm -hmm. way better at, excuse me, they're way better at dealing with the shots that they make mistakes on than normal people. The average professional golfer only hits the fairway about 75% of the time that they tee off. Mm -hmm. Right? That means one in four shots that they're hitting to the green, they're hitting from the rough. That's about, right, 50 to 75% is about what the average golfer does. It's just their shot from the rough better than the average golfer shot from the rough sure. and their ability to get the ball in the hole even when they've messed up is way better than the average golfer that, that's why mm -hmm. professionals are so much better it's not because they hit amazing shots all the time it's not because they're perfect it's not because they're better in normal circumstances they're better in the tension in the anxiety they deal with stress better than regular people and that's because of practice because of how they think and that's what we're trying to teach our kids we're trying to teach our kids how to deal with the stressful situations better, how to mm -hmm. deal with the arguments better, how to deal with when they're not getting what they want or when they're losing 
Those are the situations where they're going to be able to shine and where we as parents can really help them. Exactly. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Robert. Uh, man, we're at the end of the Thank show. You, brother. Um, before we go, man, share with us, how can people follow you, get in contact with you, maybe ask you some other questions that I haven't come up with yet? <laughs> All right, perfect. So I'm on the platforms, right? Facebook, you can go to Robert Heath Sr. So facebook.com slash Robert Heath Sr. There's Join my Legacy Leaders group on Facebook as well. There's a lot of free content in there. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Robert Heath Senior 007. Um, but I want your, your, your listeners to know that my goal is to get as much of this out and to help as many people as possible. So something that we have available right now, Legacy Leadership Consulting is doing free strategy calls. So if you go to my website, LegacyLeadershipConsulting.com, that's Legacy Leadership Consulting. I'm sorry, LegacyLeadershipMastery.com, all one word. On that homepage, you can click the button that says free strategy call. You can go and schedule a free strategy call with me. We'll talk about whatever you're dealing with. If it's a time management issue, if it's a leadership issue, we'll talk about that, help you to figure out what's going on. Because what I tell my clients all the time, many of you all have read the books, you've been to the seminars, you've watched the videos, you know what you're supposed to be doing. The thing that we help you with is to understand why you're not doing what you know you're supposed to be doing and how to mm -hmm. overcome it, right? That's what we were talking about with time management. Let's talk about everything else. You can get a half hour with me and we'll talk, we'll go over that with you and your, you, whatever you're going through right now. And you can go there to do that. Also, another free gift that we have for your people, this book behind me, I wrote this um, and it's, all, it's been a year now since we published. It was back in September of 2018. It was an Amazon bestseller. And I'm really proud of what we've been able to do with this book. It's called Why Can't People Just Do Their Jobs? For those leaders that are out there that are trying to figure out how to get their team to do more, how to get them to take initiative, how to get them to have follow through, how to get them to do things in less time and to manage their time, this book will give you a lot of those strategies. It walks you through my empower method and how you can empower your team and get the best out of those that you lead. On my website, you can get a copy of the book for free, an e-copy of the book. All you got to go is on the website and click the free book section. So you can get a free strategy session and a free book. All you got to do is go to the website. Awesome, man. So for everybody else that's watching right now or in the replay on Facebook, just type it in. For people that are watching this right now on YouTube or listening to this on the podcast, the links will all be in the description. So you can just click it and you can get your free strategy goal or your free ebook or just get in contact with robert right away through facebook or linkedin highly recommended truly robert a pleasure i really enjoyed it learned tons and going to be taking a lot of action the upcoming weeks from what you shared with us everybody else thank you so much for your time for being with us really appreciate you appreciate your support wish you best of luck and we'll see each other again next week. No, actually, that's not true. On the 8th of October, I got a special live interview with Steve Larson. So we're looking forward to that one. Everybody, take care and talk soon. Bye-bye. Great talking to you, everybody. Are you still meeting up with your friends now that you're a father? Kids making you stress out. You got no time for yourself to work out, read, relax. Can you still remember the time you were hanging out with your friends, feeling energetic, happy, and confident? Spending time together and talking about your life and your crazy dreams. You're feeling alone now, don't you? 
no one to share your challenges with and you're just running around from one storm into the next well it's time to change this now join me and the brotherhood of fearless fathers to speak on a weekly basis with like-minded dads to crush your challenges face your fears with determination be held accountable and regain control of your life if you want to become the hero your family needs you to be then go to becomeafearlessfather.com brotherhood looking forward to seeing you on one of our next calls